you know, if this isn't something you would serve to your mom or someone, the person you love the most in the world, your wife, your husband, your, your son or daughter, if you wouldn't do this for them, then you shouldn't be doing it. Welcome to Our Food Journey, a podcast by Hormel Foods. In each episode, we talk to people who are making a difference in how we create and think about food. On today's episode, Master Chef Ron DeSantis interviews Chef Tony Finistad, who oversees culinary for Hormel Foods' food service division. The conversation was recorded on a beautiful spring day on the campuses of the Culinary Institute of America in Napa Valley. Tony is a graduate of the CIA and Ron a former teacher there. Chef Tony is a young man, but already has a lifetime of experience in the food business. He's been the lead chef in fine restaurants and worked in product development before coming to Hormel. Tony's career represents a trend for young chefs. He's decided he can make the biggest impact in the food business by working for a large company where he can touch the lives of thousands of families. Part of Tony's job is tracking multiple trends in the food industry, including the public's shifting perception of big food and how supermarkets are increasingly becoming more like restaurants. We hope you enjoy this conversation with Chef Tony Finistad. Welcome to Our Food Journey, uh, broadcasting here from Hall Winery in Napa Valley. And with me is Hormel Executive Chef Tony Finistad, CIA grad. Uh, Tony, welcome. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So, Tony, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's always fun to get to, to a place that's really about food and wine, Napa Valley. In some ways, it's, it's easier to talk about food and wine here sure. and uh, inspiration and things like that. Uh, so just, uh, just to start this off, uh, you know, tell us a little bit about what you do and, uh, you know, where, what got you going in food? Yeah, this is the epicenter of food of food and wine in America. I mean, it's it's unreal and it's just beautiful. Uh, I am the corporate chef for the food service group at Hormel Foods. So what I do is I support our national accounts group, our our chain account salespeople, as, as well as our college and university and healthcare segment specialists. So I basically travel around the country supporting our eight national account salespeople, doing culinary demonstrations and presentations for our largest customers throughout the country. It's a big deal. It, yeah, kind of. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> I, good. I also, uh, I also do part of the the research and development for our innovation items as well. Mm-hmm. So where, where do you know? I, I you know I said just a moment ago that you're CAA grad. So what got you moving in the food direction? That's a good question. I think it's something that a, a lot of chefs would tell you. You know, you you very often hear the story. I grew up cooking with my grandmother, my mom in the kitchen. I I, I did not have that story. My uh, my mom would gladly tell you she's not a fantastic cook. She she likes to cook, but uh, I grew up in the restaurant industry, and it's the only job I've ever had. I started washing dishes when I was 14, and we got paid in $20 cash and all the free mozzarella sticks or free leftover banquet food you could get your hands on, which is great for a 14-year-old. And was a, a prep cook and a line cook at, at the that same country club in my hometown, and then Went to college, wanted to go to culinary school right out of, out of high school, and uh, grew up with a banker father and a teacher for a mom, and they both said, nope, you're going to go to real college. And uh, so I went to real college, let's call it, for two years and worked in uh, my first professional restaurant in St. Paul, Minnesota called Redfish Blue, and both the chefs there were CIA graduates, which uh, led me to want to continue my education 
and went to culinary school after my sophomore year. The CIA was absolutely the best experience of my life. A, a good friend of mine was in every class with me for the two years that I was there, which is rare, as, as you know, chef. And we would walk to class, and on a regular basis, I would remind him, Joe, we go to school at the most beautiful campus in America. Now, that's debatable, obviously, but right on the Hudson River, upstate New York, fantastic experience. And uh, since then, my background has mostly been in fine dining, and up until a couple of years ago, was working in kitchens and lived in Miami and New York, Taos, Santa Fe, Jackson Hole, Austin, Dallas, Nashville, Traverse City, and now uh, now with Hormel Foods based in Minnesota. And so you made it right back to Minnesota. Yeah, that's <laughs> good. Right. Yeah. That's not a bad thing. Um, so you know, I, I love hearing those things, and you you were able to get out and see a bunch of things, and you know, travel to different places, and that that's all real useful, especially for us as chefs, because you get a broad exposure to things. Where do you draw inspiration from? You know, that's a good that's a good question, and it's something that continues. You know, every chef needs a, a spot for inspiration, and I, you know, I'm a big fan of Rick Bayless. There are a lot of chefs that I kind of that I kind of keep an eye on and keep an eye on what they're doing. And Rick Bayless has a zero waste program at at all of his restaurants now, which I think is really fascinating and noble of him. Uh, but I draw inspiration from from all over the place. I try and I try and keep a keen eye on what's going on in the industry. I travel at least three weeks out of the month, and so I try to keep a, a keen eye on what's going on in the industry while I'm traveling and what I'm seeing and what I'm tasting. And you just mentioned Rick Bayless, and I, I agree with you. The guy has done he has done a great job um, as a chef to really introduce us and let us know what uh, you know what really great Mexican uh, cuisine is about. And his restaurants are fun too; mm-hmm. they're really, really a lot mm-hmm. of fun. The food is fantastic. Who else do you do you look at or you know kind of admire in the food business? Anybody else come to mind? Yeah, that's a good question. I, I think uh, Mark Laudner is a chef that he was at Del Posto in in Manhattan, and he just left to open a uh, real fast, casual, almost fast food restaurant in New York. And he's sourcing some of the best pasta in the world, and it's it's handmade pasta, and it is made for you and ready for you within just a couple of minutes, and it's for seven, eight dollars and fantastic, fantastic food. And I just think that as, as a society, we're coming to a point, a kind of a tipping point where people are really demanding better food and better quality and transparency with the sourcing and the ingredients and the pricing. And uh, I, I think it's really, really noble and, and pretty brave of him to, to take them on like that and call it out. What about trends? You know, do you, do you put much weight on trends or any kind of trends that you you're, you've noticed in the recent past? Yeah, you know, there's a difference between a fad and a trend, and I think a lot of times trends have you know tend to have a little more staying power. And if we're going to talk about cuisines, I think Indian is is having a moment right now, or is at the very beginning of a moment. I think Ethiopian is a, about to have a moment, maybe the next year to to two or three years. Peruvian also. We're seeing some really uh, interesting North African, so Lebanese or Tunisian, uh, as well as Filipino, Filipino barbecue. And barbecue in general, we're talking about, you used to just see regional barbecue. So Kansas City barbecue is in Kansas City and uh, Tennessee, you know, had their own, the Carolinas had their own, you know, varieties. But now then you saw Kansas City barbecue in Seattle and 
Tennessee barbecue or Texas barbecue in New York, but now you're seeing global barbecue. So you're seeing Filipino barbecue and Korean barbecue kind of all over the country. And, you know, I had Filipino barbecue in Des Moines, Iowa a couple of months ago. Who would have thought? Really? Right? Yeah. yeah. And those are, you know, it's kind of interesting because during the, the late 80s when I, uh, when I was teaching at the CIA, there was a, it obviously was now a fad, was fusion. Mm. And I think that the idea of that at the time was a little advanced. Today, with the information we have and people understand and know more about global foods, that whole idea of bringing different uh, ingredients and things together is, is, is changing. You know, so you see those kinds of things uh, that coming together. And, and when you talk about barbecues like that, you know, those are those kinds of comfort foods where people can relate to. And, and it almost feels like that as the, as the platform, people are willing to try other things sure. uh, that's actually a really good, uh, really good way to, to look at um, innovation and trends, you know, how they come together. And, and I want to tie this into, into your role because people can look at Hormel as uh, big food. And it is big food. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, I, part of what I like to do is to remind people that, you know, big food's not bad food. Uh, big food is ultimately people. Um, and that's important to realize. Uh, so, you know, when, when you look at it from your role and you talk, of, talk to restaurateurs, chefs, food service directors, people, things like that, when you talk about making choices, um, what, what kinds of things do you tell people when, when, you know, you're helping them sift through what food choice to make? Yeah, that's a good question. And, uh, friend of mine is, is the executive chef at a, a very large university um, in the upper Midwest. And, you know, at some point, all chefs, if you had the, the perfect framework, the, the labor, the equipment, you know, everything you needed to make authentic, everything, it'd be great to do it that way. He doesn't have the labor to do it that way. So Hormel provides him with a solution for for those types of things so korean beef barbecue mediterranean chicken instead of him you know making that themselves we provide that solution for him in in that operation now with the the addition of applegate and the raw material sourcing that we have available to us we're now able to give customers a choice so if they want that that other option or they may stick with the conventionally raised protein but we now have the option to give them something else if they want a slightly different product. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and you mentioned, you mentioned Applegate and, you know, at the same time, uh, Hormel Natural Choice is something that I've used for a long sure. time. Sure. Uh, you know, it's, it is absolutely clean label. Um, and, and part of the reason that I, I love using it is I learned about HPP, high pressure oh, pasteurization. Sure. Yep. And when I learned about this, I was like, why doesn't everybody use this stuff? It was, it's, you know, the the fact that the fact that we're you know we can avoid uh, preservatives and all kinds of things in there, and we're making this food incredibly safe for the consumer. Uh, I think that's a that, that's a another great choice that someone would have. Hormel is Hormel's an uh, an incredible company. Over 125 years 
um, of making, you know, high quality food. Uh, and, you know, they have, of course, there's the iconic spam. It's one of those when people don't see it, they're like, you know, I remember this stuff. I think it's time. I think it's time for a reintroduction of spam. I really, really do. Um, you know, create that next that next uh, generation of people looking nostalgic for that food, for that uh, flavor of that. You know, and it and it might be Hormel Chili or and you know some of those iconic uh, brands. But I know that Hormel has this amazing portfolio. It's interesting you bring that up, spam. And, and chili are the two things that everyone first associates Hormel with. And uh, there are almost two dozen varieties of Spam that we sell all over the world. Fantastic product. But you're right. The food service group has a vast array of products that, that are solutions for, for customers of, of all skill levels, from the mom and pop up to the, to the large chain restaurants and everybody in between. You know, beef barbacoa, pork barbacoa, pork carnitas, chicken carnitas, uh, bacon one, which is the first fully cooked bacon launched on the market. Black and I know it's really good. It's fantastic. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, all sorts of thicknesses on that bacon, but uh, fully cooked chicken breasts and fire braised chicken thighs, fire braised fully cooked pork loin ribs. Uh, there's a pretty good chance that you have had in the past, you know, three, four months at any at any given restaurant that, that you've had a Hormel food service product in one of your dishes. You just you just threw out fire braise as if, you know, well, if I, talk nilly, about right? it, man. That is like, I know that food. Talk about that yeah. a little bit. Yeah, it's a very cool process. So it, it is, it's not just a, 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 you know, marketing speak. The, the fire raising process is, is real. It's, we send raw material through a, a tunnel. It's this huge tunnel that has fire on all sides and it's braised. You know, it, it gets, you know, some charring, a little bit of, uh, you know, caramelization on the outside of the meat. And then it's, it's cooked from there and it, it, it helps to give the, the products a more authentic feel for a back of the house operator. So it looks like it was made in, in their kitchen. It, it offers them a fully cooked product with, with great flavor and texture and a really nice looking appearance too. It's, it's essentially a giant flame tunnel that the product goes through before it's cooked. It's really pretty cool. And and I and I know that the food is is delicious from there. It's really it's it's amazing, you know. And that whole food service line, you know, it, you're right. It it has a place for uh, lots and lots of um, operations. And, and the other the other part is the this huge retail. Um, element to to Hormel and uh, you know I, I know the the things that come to mind for me um, are holy guacamole Justin's nut butter Skippy peanut butter um, Mega Max oh, Columbus Columbus yes. and you just mentioned it you just mentioned Applegate right Applegate, those are yes, the other yes, ones yes, yeah. I mean these are these are are just very very high quality foods mm-hmm. that are available uh, to the you know to, to the consumer through retail and you know you take a look at that and the high quality that is available from Hormel is is really it, it you know it's it's one of those one of those companies that you can look to for inspiration mm-hmm. it really is That's exactly right so, Chef, the supermarket world is is evolving as well, and uh, Hormel plays a significant role in the in that retail space as well. And uh, you know, we're hearing the term "grocerant" um, taking place. Uh, thoughts, insights, opinions about that? We talked earlier about a, a trend versus a fad, and I think some of those meal kits that we saw 
gaining popularity a few years ago, you thought those were going to take over the world, right? And they, they've cooled considerably. And the grocery stores have picked up on that. So they're now starting to, you know, in their deli area, starting to make those kits that people can grab at the grocery store. So when they get home from the grocery store, they have a kit ready to go. They don't have to then start prepping. Because I think a lot of times what happens is people go out to eat because they don't, they either don't have the groceries or they don't want to do the, the prep work or both. And in this case, you're kind of taking that out of it in that you're giving them a meal to take home with them. But a lot of uh, a lot of grocery stores are capitalizing on the convenience factor and and have some legitimate restaurants in their grocery stores and not only the prepared food bar but now a hot bar and and a real restaurant in the grocery store also and there's there's a space for that too I think in uh, Hormel has has realized that and has a newly created group that will focus directly on that instead of the retail and the food service groups trying to decide who's going to call on that specific portion of the grocery store. There's a division that's been created to call on that. You, you know, it's interesting. You you started as a restaurant chef um, and did, you know, some really, you know, obviously some really great things and, uh, you know, honed your craft. And then you transitioned to a corporate chef. With the restaurant chef, you impacted those particular diners. Now you're in a position where you impact people in a very different way. How's that feel? Have you thought about the difference in that? And, and what do you think about that kind of difference? You know, I don't know if I've ever really sat down and taken the time to dissect that. But I, what I can tell you is, you know, as a chef, when I would teach young cooks, a lot of times there, there are two phrases I would use. And one was, where's the love? So when you're making a dish, it, it may be missing salt or some acid, um, you know, some sort of fat. And you'd say, you know, where's the love? Where's the love in this? It doesn't taste like there was, like you put your whole heart into it. And believe it or not, you can tell that, right, Chef? You can. You can definitely tell. And the other phrase was uh, taught to me, and it's an industry phrase, but taught to me, you know, would you serve this to your mom? Right. And that has not changed. So that is something that I absolutely take and use in my in my day-to-day work here with Hormel. You know, if this isn't something you would serve to your mom or someone, the person you love the most in the world, your wife, your husband, your, your son or daughter, if you wouldn't do this for them, then you shouldn't be doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's something that we all do. And, and that's something that's translated from the restaurant world into the, you know, my my corporate chef world as well. I love that. That's 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 right on it. It feels, you know, and and that's the thing. That's where I said, you know, you know, big food's not necessarily bad food because it's made of people, and mm-hmm. you're that people, <laughs> you know, and 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 bringing that to, you know, that philosophy and that way of doing things in the restaurant world and that small batch um, into the the corporate world from a food point of view, that's a good thing, and. Formel is a food company, so mm-hmm. I think it's all working. Uh, you're all bringing it together. Uh, you know, Tony, I really appreciate the the time. Uh, it was, uh, you know, very insightful and, and fun to talk to you. Thank you very much for joining us on our food journey. If anyone wants to know more about it, HormelFoods.com. Broadcasting from Napa Valley. Until the next time, Ron DeSantis.